Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner. Hello and welcome back to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stoner, and it is my pleasure this week to have a lifelong friend of mine. And when I say lifelong, I mean since we were little kids, we have been good friends. And my friend Britt Greenup is going to join us today, and he is in the home inspection business. He started his own home inspection business a couple of years ago. And he's got a lot of great knowledge. He was always very handy and did a lot of construction and repair work, but then he turned it into a business. And he's also, you know, found some some hiccups, some road bumps that, you know, some some moguls that you didn't know were there. And it's very interesting what he is facing in the home inspection industry. Some are very similar to what I face in the chimney industry. So with that, welcome my friend Britt Green. Welcome, buddy. Hey Mark, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I could not be better. I, uh, I'm very uh, honored, very happy to be sitting here uh, a part of this and couldn't be more proud of not just my best friend, but my best man at my wedding. <laughs> yeah. And uh, look yeah. at how far we've come, man. Yeah. Congratulations on everything. Well, thank you very much. Uh, me and Britt have, were schoolmates all the way when we were very young. Uh, we we raced big wheels together. He, he, he kicked <laughs> my butt. <laughs> it was very, very famous <laughs> of me bailing, him kicking my butt, and I had an excuse. I ran over some relish. Uh, and then we played music together. He's a fellow drummer. We wrestled together. Uh, we came through high school. I was his best man at his wedding, and we have stayed in contact over the years, and it's just been a lifelong thing. So I, it's my honor to have you on here, too. When when you find uh, a friend that is also an excellent mentor, uh, I got into wrestling because of you. Your encouragement kept me in wrestling. Uh, the drumming profession that you and I have both gone after in a semi-professional level, I've always uh, always looked up to you. So your mentorship has not just uh, happened after high school. For me, it happened way before high school. Well, and, uh, I, I appreciate that. But man, you are uh, you're a super talented guy, and you're still playing to this day. You're still playing music. You're you're singing now. That's uh, and I, I love seeing you out there making it happen. I didn't know I could sing either. That's funny. You know, I've been a drummer my entire life, and somebody asked me to come over and play some music with them. Like, well, hey. What am I supposed to do? We're both drummers. Like, well, try singing. Right. I discovered I had a voice, and it's been a, it's been a blessing. It's been a fun road. Man, so. I love seeing you do it. So let's talk about let's talk about home inspection. I, in my industry, I run into a lot of home inspectors, and sometimes um, there's two parts of it. There's home inspectors and there's real estate agents. And I have a love-hate relationship with real estate agents. Now, for me, I have a super love relationship with home inspectors because they're some of the most hungry. Uh, they want education. They want knowledge like more than any uh, any trade I have ever I'd ever run into. And how did how did you get into home inspection? Um, well, it's funny. I, I owned a water damage restoration business. I owned a residential carpet cleaning business. I owned a hardwood flooring uh, installation and sales business and a decorative concrete business. <laughs> and the, I mean, not at the same time. All yeah. It was like one business venture after I started one. Somebody wanted to buy it and I went on and I just, you know, 
I was blessed along the way. Um, and I'm, you know, a jack of all trades and master of none. But it, it, it has exposed me to such a vast amount of knowledge. And, and here's how it all came about. I had gone out with a handful of friends of mine uh, to help them look at new houses. And while they were, you know, measuring for drapes and seeing where the couch was going to go, I was busy crawling within the attic when I could and to get into the crawl space and just checking the house out. And I had a number of agents that they, you know, that was representing my friends that that would say, are you a home inspector? Well, you should be. And it was about the eighth or ninth time that I said, you know, I think God is kind of trying to tell me something here because I wanted to start a business, but I didn't want to carry inventory. and I didn't want salary expense. <clears throat> I didn't want the hassle of trying to hire people that, you know, would show up one day and not show up the next. And so, you know, maybe that's why all this knowledge was given to me along the way was because I was supposed to use it to help other people. Right. And so uh, it was about the 10th time. And I said, well, this is, this is obviously where I need to go with this. Uh, and it's going to answer all my questions because I don't have to have the inventory, the salary expense, the unreliable people or whatever. And I can put my name on the van and my face on the van and people aren't going to hire the service. They're going to hire the person. Right. And that's why that person is me. That's on that van. Uh, and and that's really what did it is is my love for homes and everything about a house, whether it's top to bottom, chimneys, crawl spaces, whatever. It's just my knack. That's what I do. You know. Yeah. But, I noticed that you have a real love for helping people and for fixing stuff. That's just do, like in you your know, DNA. It is, and I, I just I don't know. I I truly. I truly kind of got into this. Yeah, there's a monetary uh, payoff for me, right? But it's just, I just felt like I, I had to do something to help people. And you know, it takes three people to buy a house now. You got you to gotta have a realtor to go through the, the legalities and help you go through MLS and take you on tours and set up, an, uh, set up you know, showings and whatever. It takes you to find the right house. <clears throat> you can look at 15 houses, but you're going to walk into the one and you're going to know that's the one. And nothing right. anybody says is going to turn you away from it. But then there's a third component to it because I, you can't expect the buyer to get in the crawl space, to get in the attic, to know everything about the electricity, to pull the furnace covers off. They're not going to do that. So that's where the third person comes in. And that third person is your home inspector. Yeah. But it, it represents a team effort. Because it does take all three people. You can't really buy a house without it. Now, yes, you can buy a house with a contingency for no inspection, but it's a, a dangerous risk and nobody should ever do it. You better have your house inspected no matter what. I <laughs> so agree it takes, 100%. It takes, yeah, it takes three people to buy the house. And that's why, you know, it's a team. And that's my slogan, team up with Greenup, because it does take all three of us for you to successfully find that house. Now, I, I love your I love your slogan, by the way. <laughs> Well, and if I, if I'm not going to feel like I'm part of their team, then there's plenty of other people they can hire to do it. Because when when you hire me, it's my face and it's my name that's on there, and I'm gonna I'm going to work for the client. I'm not going to work for the real estate agent. And herein is what brings us to I think what we're going to talk about tonight, and that is I don't serve a real estate agent. Yeah. So let's so let's talk about that for a second. And I'm going to tell you my experience and I want you to tell you, tell me yours because yours has changed over the time of since you started till now, Absolutely. The, the feel of it. Absolutely. So my, my issue was always real estate agents call. They're in a huge rush. They need it done right now. And so we might, we might run over there and do our inspection. 
but they don't want to call us. They actually don't want a thorough inspection if they are selling the house. Now yeah, they want right? a very they want a very thorough inspection if they are buying the house. Absolutely. And I've literally had real estate agents say, "Man, we don't call you when we're selling, but we do call you when we're buying." And to me, that part of it becomes so uh the ethics of what they are doing to hide that. And then, so then talking to you, that's exactly what the better you get at inspections, the more of a bad name you get on the real estate side. It's, it's the only thing that I've ever done. And I can speak from the three or four different businesses that I've been in and they've all been service type businesses. It's the only business I've been in where the better you get, the less you're called. That's right. Now, in home inspections, I was I kind of had the ability and the fortunate uh, happening that I didn't have to go out and rely on real estate sales professionals as my 100 percent nut of business. Right. Okay. so as you knew, I I had a job. I have a job and I was able to go out and serve and develop my own customer branches, my own customer brand, my own customer group. And so my referral business skyrocketed. And I actually became one of the most expensive home inspectors in my area. And it didn't matter. I've never had one person turn me down on price because they are getting exactly what they paid for. Right. But my clients love me. My clients love me. The real estate agent's not so much. And here's why. You think about what a real estate agent does. The poor souls don't get paid till they sell a house. They have 10 people in their pipeline that they're showing houses to, you know, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And now they got one that's finally looking to close on a home. They can't win the steeplechase because they got one more hurdle to jump. And that hurdle they got to jump is a tall one. And it's called the home inspector because the home inspector has no interest in the real estate agent selling that house to a point but yet they really do because they want that agent to call them back again. And they want that agent to tell the other agents in their office, hey, that's a really good guy. He's got the goods and he will write a realtor friendly inspection right. report. Realtor friendly inspection. Isn't that terrible? But it that's is. a, you are so I've never heard it named that. But that's exactly what they want to hear. And that's it exactly is. that's what they want you know me what? to do. If, too. if I report exactly what I find based on what the state of Indiana tells me and based on what my trade group tells me, that's fantastic. My clients love that. Not so much on the other side. And I'm not going to fault them because, I mean, I know. It's a horrible position to be in, you know, to think that you're this close. You spent so much time. You've got the the signed deal. There's earnest money down. And then the home inspector comes along and finds something in the attic, something in the crawl space. And it makes the buyer go through the biggest buyer's remorse they've ever had. It's not like buying a computer that they can take back to Best Buy or something like it's a house. It's, you know, they've yeah. got thousands of dollars put down on it already. They're standing to lose that if the deal falls through and it all hinges on what I have to say. But who's going to represent me in court if I don't pull out that termite damage or that structural flaw that's in the crawl space yeah. and somebody does get down there and find it? In that's six right. months, when the when the buyer locates it, they're going to be calling me. And so, right. I mean, it's just, that's how I do things. It's like I said, it's my face on the van. It's my name on the van. I'm doing everything according to the ethics. No matter yeah. what, that's what's in my heart, and I'm serving my people. Well, but man, you're it doesn't doing. Doesn't seem like that's. And, and I tell you what happens. You serve your customer, and when I say my customers, these are my these are customers that find me because of my van, my frisbees, my website, 
my referrals and all that stuff that makes, I went and found them. They came to me by no referral by any real estate professional whatsoever. This is, this is Brit's customers. The other ones, I just. Well, I know you're wired up. The other <laughs> ones come from the real estate agents that want to use somebody to get the sale across. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, they can really <laughs> say, <laughs> can you see how much I'm trying to like? <laughs> you are worked up. So because it's, it's a good boy network and it's really, it's really sad because we all ought to have the best interest of the buyers in mind. And I, I'm, I hate to think that there's going to be some real estate professionals that are going to get ear wind of this conversation and get a little angry. They but know the it. bottom line is, you know what? My wife's a real estate agent. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't work for her at all, you know. But my wife's a real estate agent, and well, they, it pains me real- because you get you you get the reputation of being a deal killer, and word spreads fast. Yes, word spreads really fast, and it's difficult. Like this time of year, this is when you would rely on real estate business because all of my referrals, you know, it's getting close to Thanksgiving, it's getting close to Christmas time, and it's. I don't know. I just can't put my finger on why that is, but this is like a referral from the real estate professional time of year. Mm. You know, my customers kick back in somewhere around end of February after the second semester of school's got going. People are planning for summertime moves and whatever. But so yeah, let's talk about, and man, we're 100% on the same page. Let's talk about what you find in a, in a home inspection. Like <laughs> now, of course, you're in Indiana. It's going to be different. And whoever's listening to different parts of the country, different parts of the world. But what are some of the things that you've learned that, you know, as a, that you'd want to tell homeowners to watch out for? Like when you walk in, like what are some of the big ahas that you go in? You go, you know, man, these, mm. this is always a problem or this is what you really got to watch out for. Like, what are okay. some of those kind of things? Um, easy answer. HGTV is a 30-minute special. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And most homes are going to get $50,000 HGTV'd in the part that you live in and you see every day. They're going to neglect the crawl space. They're going to neglect the attic every single time. I, had a, I recently had a client, and I took him in the front yard, and I said, I tell you what. This is a nice house. It's beautiful. It meets all the current trends and all the current standards. But I guarantee you there's problems in the attic. There's problems in the crawl space. And that's that's exactly where the problems were found. That's so accurate. Beautiful and great. You know, and and it comes back to why do you hire a home inspector in the first place? You can't expect you know, an elderly individual or someone with some physical disabilities to crawl up into their attic and look around. And once they get there, they're not going to know what to look for anyway. That's why we go through the amount of training that we go through. Right. You know, you mentioned education at the very beginning. I was trying to add up today the amount of classes that I've been to. I've taken 112 classes to this wow. point, and I got my license in late 2018. But I'm also licensed to test for radon and licensed in termite inspections as well. And not counting all the continuing education credits that you have to have. That's just just classes that I've taken that I've accumulated along the way. And you can't expect the common person to know that knowledge, but you get, they're not going to get in their crawl space. If they do, it's, you know, years down the road, but uh, yeah, they make the beautiful part of the house that you live in and you see every day. That's going to be fantastic. I mean, I, I don't look at, I I could do it, but I don't look at my crawl. I probably go once a year in there. 
But let's talk about radon for just a second. A lot of people don't realize what radon in it is and why it's dangerous and where it can be found. Can you talk about radon for a second? Yeah, I thought in the beginning, I thought radon was joke. I thought it was a, a, a farce to come up with more money. Uh, to be spent during a home inspection. But the more I got into studying radon and studying home ins- uh, home inspections to get my licenses, um, radon is a massive lung cancer causer. Many, many deaths are caused by the invisible gas that is radon, and it's comparable to lung cancer cases uh, from smokers. Really? And it's, it's, oh yeah, it's terrible. I mean, it's, it's an invisible gas. It's, it's, it's made from decaying, uh, Decaying particles in the ground. It's it's present everywhere. You can have two houses right next door to each other uh, that have basements, and one has one radon level and one has another one, and it's a hard sell. Times sometimes. I mean, it was a hard sell for me when I was a beginning home inspector, uh, but it's really a hard sell sometimes for the the home buyer because they also see it as an opportunity to have to spend more money. <clears throat> but how do you detect it? What do you do to detect the levels? You can use uh, you can use continuous radon monitors, which are items that you place in the home for 48 hours uh, that take readings every hour. Um, actually, you can set up to take readings however often you want to. An hour is most common, and it's gonna it's gonna measure the radon that's in the air. They're actually so sophisticated they can tell that if somebody's gonna tamper with it by opening up windows or moving the device or whatever. Um, really. You, yeah, you can use uh, charcoal canisters. You can use bags full of charcoal that hang on the on the wall. They sit on a tabletop, and they absorb the radon decay or the radon particles. And then you send them off to a lab. The lab analyzes it and then sends you back your results. Continuous radon monitor, you're going to get your results instantly because it's measuring it on site. Uh-huh. So, so then you find, say, a radon level that's too high. What's right. the remedy for it? So typically, if if your home has radon and it's under four picocuries, I say that if it's between 2.5 and 3.5, you need to start thinking about retesting. And if it continues to you know show an upward trend, you need to think about mitigation. Anything above four picocuries, recommended you have mitigation done uh, to get the gas out of the home. So. And they lay, what I've seen is they lay basically a plastic barrier down with some type of a ventilation system. So it pumps basically into the outside envelope yeah, of the a, home. A mitigation system. So typically in Indiana, we see more uh, more basements with, with concrete floors. They may not be finished, but they'll bore a hole in the concrete floor and they'll put a, a PVC pipe in the in the floor with a pump and a vacuum meter to let you know that it's drawn like you should. And it's trying to create pressure underneath the slab to draw the, draw the radon towards the pipe. And they want to pump it up and out of the house. It has to exit above the, uh, the gutter line. It can't exit under the E because you don't want that stuff possibly blown back in the attic. Right. Um, and that's the, that's the, the way that we mitigate it here. Uh, in Indiana. So one last question on radon. Like, let's just say I was buying a house and the radon level seemed okay. Can it change over time? Can it get worse over time? Or is it pretty much going to be that way for the life of the house? Um, the, the radon that I've seen in homes, uh, 
if if that's kind of hard for me to say, I guess, I guess it could increase, but the homes that I've found radon in that needed to be mitigated, the radon levels went down and they never went back up once it's been mitigated. Um, I can't say that I've been back to houses multiple times that I've done radon tests in that were at one level that started increasing and kept going up and up. The houses I've tested and retested all seem to be about the same. But yeah. then again, I've only I've been in this business for about three and a half years now. So it just made more. me think we had a radon test five years ago and we bought the house and it was fine. But I'm, I was yeah. just wondering if it could change. Yeah, but, I, I recommend, like I said, like if your if your radon level comes back at like 2.5, 2.7 pico curious, something like that, I wouldn't necessarily recommend testing all the time. Uh, or I mean, every year, if it's higher than that, I would say let's let's test your house at least once a year. Like in Nashville, uh, there's very few basements, but everybody has crawl spaces, so there's dirt, and so there's not even the concrete layer. And so here they kind of do it probably different than they do there. But let's talk about about when you find problems and you kind of have a, you know, report software. I've noticed a lot of times a lot of home inspectors are really – referring almost every special thing out to another professional like yeah. electrician or chimney guy or something like right. that. T- talk about why, how that works for you. Report writing is, it's, it's kind of a, a personal thing to me because I write my reports to the people that I've already built a relationship with. I do use a pretty well-known uh, nationally available software not going to mention any names to it, but I don't use, I don't use canned narratives and check boxes. I write it all out so that I'm, I'm using language right directly to my people. Nice. Now, when it comes to things, let's say that I find an issue in the electric panel or an issue in the HVAC system. I'm always going to say that I recommend a licensed HVAC contractor to come back and further evaluate the issues that I found. If I don't, in my mind, if I don't say that I want a licensed HVAC person to come in and somebody finds a substandard repairman with an awesome set of tools to come in and fix that electrical problem or fix that HVAC problem and something goes wrong, I don't want anybody to come back to my report and say, well, you know, he said that Uncle Joe could fix it. You know, Uncle Joe was on the Pro Bowlers tour for two years and he had a screwdriver set. <laughs> he came back and he did a really good job on it for a while. And because it, to me, it's going to all come back to a transfer of liability. I don't want to ever put my customers in a position where I let somebody substandard and not trained and not licensed come in and repair a defect that I found in that house. It's all about their safety. That's what they're hiring me for. That's right. to find safety defects and material mechanical defects. That's going to either hurt them or cost them money. So I'm not going to ever let anybody work on anything in that house. I'm always going to recommend professional. And if somebody are licensed professional, I know that there are some trades that you don't have to have a license in, but I'm still going to recommend the highest level of authority of an electrician, of a roofer, of a plumber, of an HVAC guy, of a structural engineer, of a pest control, whatever. Because yeah. I want my customers to know and and to be very well assured that they are going to have the best person come into that house and do a really thorough good job of checking out that problem that I found in the electrical box in the HVAC system or whatever. I mean, that's what we would all want. That's yeah. what I would. You know, well, man, I love your passion for this. I, I get excited just listening to you. I so tell me, tell the listeners. Um, 
I noticed that a lot of the real estate market is so hot that a lot of these are just forgoing inspections. And my son right. is buying a, a bought a house right just now this week, literally. And I said, you have to have inspection done. And that inspector found a lot of stuff. He found some electrical issues, found issues with the windows. He found he he did a good job. And you know, we went back and forth. And uh, but a lot of times the buyers don't have much leverage anymore. I mean, how are you seeing that affect your business? Well, yeah, it's obviously it's taken a cut. Uh, in my business. But again, a lot of my business comes from my referrals. And so it's family members of friends and friends of family members that know where I stand is you you better get everything inspected. Yeah, It doesn't matter if there's no contingency for an inspection. That's fine. You still want to know what, what you got going in. In fact, I think I think we ought to engage in, in pre-sale inspections where whoever's getting ready to sell the home, they should be the one having the inspection done <clears throat> and let them find totally. out ahead of time what's what's wrong with that house. Because what ends up happening is your <clears throat> your home inspection becomes a negotiable item. And if you don't know what's wrong with your house going into it, <clears throat> people are going to find things wrong and start using that against you. In the end, is when you start dropping your price. If you want to sell yes. your house for its max dollar, figure out what's wrong with it ahead of time. Spend a little money, get it fixed. You know what's fixed. They know what's fixed. It's going to be less things to find. It takes away your bargaining chip. Yeah. But what's happening right now in Indiana is we have a very low home inventory. Uh, I don't know how many houses there are at one, one for sale in one time in Indiana, but I know at one time there is very, very little. And so that opens up the houses that are the fourth and fifth choices to people looking to buy a home, but more people for selling a home. Let's say that somebody had a house with tons of termite damage or structural flaws or, you know, asbestos in the attic or something like that. In a normal market, they couldn't sell that house because there's better homes for sale out there and they couldn't get anything. They couldn't get jack squat for that house because it's it's just a crappy house. I mean, I'm sorry to put right. that way. <clears throat> okay. Well, now all the good houses are gone. And now prices are inflated 25, 30, 35%. The only houses left for sale are those crappy fourth and fifth cha- choices nobody wants. But they know very good and well that if they sell that house with an inspection, they're going to find the the structural damage and all the things that are wrong with it. And so the market is so hungry for available homes right now the people selling that house know they can sell that crappy house with no contingency for an inspection and they're still going to get 20% over market value or what would be the normal market value and the house is going to sell and they're thinking honey we can finally get out of this crap box and go find something nicer because they've been waiting for so long for the market to turn in their favor and now it has but yeah. when you have a, when you have a flood of inventory of really good houses i mean it's no different than buying potatoes at the grocery store there's a run on potatoes and everybody takes all the good ones you left with the squishy half rotten ones you still want potatoes for dinner you're going to grab that bag of potatoes <laughs> you know i'm seeing it in the chimney business i mean just on our level people are buying whatever and then we come in and the thing was wrecked. I mean, they're, they've got, right. it's causing so much back end repairs of people buying houses that have to have so much work. Right. It, it's really good for my business, but it's unfortunate because they get in and then here comes a $10,000 chimney bill and a $10,000 electrical bill and the HVAC right. unit <clears throat> wasn't working properly and they, nobody ever checked it and they just had to get, they had to get something and get in. And what and, what what kind of bothers me about this is <clears throat> the first time home buyers. Oh the yeah. The ones that have saved their money 
you know, they've worked really hard. They may have college debt on top of it. It's usually a young couple that that are trying to get started the right way. They found the perfect house. And it's been HGTV than the inside. And, and no offense, HGTV, if you're listening. But that's been a, you know where I'm going with that. Anyway, yeah. and they buy this house and it looks fantastic. And there's no contingency for an inspection. And they're just hoping that nothing's wrong. But yeah. then they get in and they find that $10,000 chimney repair, mm-hmm. the $15,000 structural repair. You know, yep. I had a customer that bought a house and it was no contingency for an inspection. It was in a neighborhood on a cul-de-sac, but it was old enough. It still had cast iron pipes and a big freaking tree running right through the front yard where the cast iron pipe was supposed to be. I listed in the inspection. Man, <clears throat> I recommend a licensed plumber scope every inch of this this cast iron pipe from the house all the way to the street and the seller through a fit would not pay for it and and he knew why because that big oak tree was planted after that pipe was put in the ground Uh now i've only been in this business for a couple years but i know that you can't plant an oak tree on top of a cast iron pipe it's going to destroy the pipe and guess what the buyer bought the house because it was beautiful inside and they were a young first-time home buying couple couldn't flush the toilet the second day third day that they were there Had to waive the inspection. I still told them, get that thing scoped. And they wouldn't do it. And they ended up paying $2,500 within the first two weeks of buying that house because the pipe was completely squished and broken in a million pieces by the tree that was planted on top of it. And the seller knew what was going on. Yep. And that's why they denied them the right to do an inspection because if it found out, he wasn't going to sell the house. Well, tell me. I see that so many times with these young first-time home buyers, and it's, it's just sad. How can they say no contingency for inspection, but you still inspect it? Is it, it doesn't matter what you find? Yeah, Is that what they're what saying? The, yeah. the buyers want to know what's going on. You know, they want to know what's wrong with the used car, but even though they're going to buy the used car, they still want to know what's wrong with it because they have to have some kind of a perception what's going to come out of their pocket. You know, we've already laid the money down. We really want the house, but we still want a punch list. To know yeah. what's going to go wrong. So it just it just basically, basically just says kind of categorize it, you know, as to where we can start, you know, whether it's light switches working your way down to I don't know, you know, new roofs. But yeah, so basically it says you can have it inspected, but we're not changing our price. Exactly. What it is. You, or yeah. it's you can have it inspected, but we're still holding you to the sale. Is what they're saying. Oh, oh. Yeah, wow. they're not letting you have a sale. No matter oh. what's found in this deal, you can have it inspected all day long. No matter what's found, you're still open. You're still buying this house. Wow. What are the chances of it being flipped onto the seller, like you mentioned, where they have to have the home inspection first? Is there is is that just a great idea, or is there anything in Listen, the works to make that happen? There, everybody in the inspections business would love to have that happen, but it's just not. It's just not the way things are done. Things have been done this way for so long, son. We ain't going to change them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just you don't do it. It's never been put on on the seller to do a, a – I've sent out mailers last year. I think I sent out – oh, gosh, I bet I did <clears throat> 10,000 mailers, and it was specifically for let's do pre-sale inspections. And they were good looking flyers too, man. I mean, they had they they were perf- they had the great wording that ever, all the buzzwords you'd want. I got one response. Wow. One response. Yeah. But I I believe it. But pre-sales work in some parts of the country. They just 
Central yeah. Indiana just ain't happening. Well, I had back in the time when inspections mattered, I had my home pre-inspected so I could fix everything before they I, we, I put it on the market to get it really yeah. ready to go. So I wasn't surprised. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a different market right now. And, and you're right in that ebb and flow of it. And, um, you know, a, a homeowner, it, most people know what's going on with their house anyway. Um and there's a lot of times there's there's a high percentage of people know they've got some pretty major things wrong with their house before they list it. But they're just kind of hoping that the inspector doesn't find it or that maybe they can wheel and deal and have it sold without a without an inspection anyway. Yeah. So it's sad to say, but I'm kind of passionate about it because I do inspections. And so I want everybody to have a home inspected. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to have this one inspected and the one you're selling, and I'll be happy doing both for you. <laughs> well, man, I if I had a home to inspect, you would be my guy. <laughs> for sure. I trust you implicitly. You're going to do the app, and it wouldn't be just for me. I know how you are as a person. It's about integrity. It's about yeah. doing the right thing, no matter what the consequence and no matter what the firestorm you may go through. You're going to do it the best way yeah. you know how. And, uh, and I always respect that about you, Britt. Um, well, man, that's our normal time for our show. Do you got any, any closing thoughts before we close out the podcast? Uh, nothing brilliant or funny to say at this time. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell. I'm I love tell, you, brother. I, I really do. I'm going to tell a story then. I'm going to tell our big wheel story because it's one of my favorites. <laughs> I, yeah, go for it. I, so. Me and me and Britt were what were we about six years old? Seven. We were we were in the six. seven eight year old category. So, so <laughs> we were at this at the time it was called TGNY. It was a grand opening of this uh, you know this department store, and it was a big deal in our little town of Madison, Indiana, of like <laughs> eight to ten thousand people. Big deal, and. I knew Britt from school, but we, so we go and Britt is always a BMX rider. You know, he always could do a lot of skateboard, like everything he did, he could just had a lot of control and, and I'm not that way. So, but we go and, and race big wheels. It was a big wheel race. And, like a drag um, race. Like a drag race. Yeah. It was like a drag race across TGMY's parking lot. That's right. And so there was a, and it said, you know, it said go. And I'm sitting there pedal as fast as I can. I'm, <laughs> I'm slipping the slide and Britt just smokes the whole crew. He just <laughs> absolutely wins it. And I'm, and I'm just, I'm just so mad that I didn't win. I don't even know what place I got, but I, I saw Green up just freaking fly across. The, and he's getting I checked all the, the stuff. newspaper clipping that my mom still has from way back. <laughs> 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 so my mom and I'm crying, and, and my mom is. She's like, "What's wrong?" He's like. I'm happy that Britt won. I wasn't happy that Britt won. <laughs> so, so then uh, I said, well, I got, I got, my tires were spinning on the relish. I ran over a hot I ran, dog. I ran through a hot dog relish. <laughs> that was, that was my story. I was sticking to it, man. I, All these my, years, it was the relish. Oh, it was the relish. Yeah. I, I see and, how you've relished in this story even again. So. I know. It's so funny how that stuff <laughs> sticks with you, but it's one of my favorite favorites of of me just being crushed and lying as a as a little kid. You know though, do you know what the greatest the greatest part of that story is is this. <sighs> they never had another big wheel race after that. <laughs> they didn't. And you so were... I can die the undisputed reigning champion of the TGMY <laughs> big wheel race. You were in the and, early 70s. 
it, I mean, not, not only that. I guess once they had that, they just couldn't have another one. It's you the, were like the secretariat of the big wheel race because you didn't oh. win by a little. I think you smoked everybody's doors. Like I was like, wow. I was like, got a motor well, on that thing. <laughs> you know, it was hot outside, and I just wanted to get to the Kool-Aid stand. <laughs> it was hot. My uh, poor mom got so sunburned. We, I don't think she could like even put solar cane. Did they even sell solar cane still? She didn't put solar cane on her shoulder. It hurts so bad. But really? my mom endured. She stayed the whole time and burned herself to a crisp. Well, so you that she, the, she could be a part the, of the uh, the big wheel hot the, the big wheel race. <laughs> well you were the champion. <laughs> and I, I man, I love you. I, I really appreciate you coming on my podcast and uh I wish you luck in all your endeavors and uh love you man. Man, the love is right back at you. <clears throat> and all the mentor props that I gave you in the beginning, that's all true. Absolutely yeah. true. If you guys ever want to learn uh, how to wrestle, ask Mark Stone. <laughs> well, that he'll was back he'll in the sit day. out with a Gramby lock around your head. <laughs> My favorite was the ankle pick. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. kidding. <clears throat> I didn't wrestle your weight class, but yeah. I think I, I went against you enough in practice. Yeah, I figured out that ankle pick was the move. <laughs> I know it was. You know what my favorite move was? was Count that? the lights. Count no, it wasn't. You lay on you your were... back and just count all the pretty lights up there. Yeah, we call that being a fish, but you <laughs> yeah. were not a fish. No, I all wasn't right. a fish. Mark, I love you, man. Thank you for everything. You're an encouragement to more people than you know. You're doing so much good along the way and everything that you do in regards to help people. And uh, God is smiling down on you and God is blessing you, dude. And I could not uh, be more honored to call you my friend. And I love you to pieces, bro. I'm very happy for you. Very proud of you. Well, thank you, Bray. You're too kind. All right, guys, that's our time. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.